Well, hello there, Dan. This is James Dolph over here in Bangor, Maine. Definitely watching you, listening to you, reading everything you have over there at the Tropical MBA, as well as the Lifestyle Podcast. Enjoying every minute of it, man. Keep doing that good work, and uh, I'll keep on reading and enjoying. Bye-bye. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial pursuit, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. If you want to know more about this program or this podcast or want to get barraged by a lot of annoying pop-ups, check out our website, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Yeah, buddy, it's Thursday. That means it's time for another Lifestyle Business Podcast, the LBP, baby. Hashtag, yeah, buddy, where we believe building a business is the ideal way to create more freedom and opportunity for you, your family, and those around you. Those around me is my co-host, my captain, the CEO, yeah, the man who I can guarantee you without even asking him for confirmation that he has the San Diego Craigslist M3 feed in his Google Reader. Is that true, Ian? Oh, buddy, I got a couple cities, not just San Diego. Nailed it. <laughs> if you guys stick around to the end of the episode, we'll tell a joke and share with you some quick iPhone apps and iOS stuff in general that has actually changed our lives. So let's move on to these shouts, news, and questions. Ian, we've got six new iTunes reviews. Six! I think an applause effect is in order. That's got to pump you up. I just uh, logged on today and checked this out. Pretty inspirational. Andre wrote, the number one podcast for virtual business inspiration. Thank you so much, Andrea. I went in there and hit, was this review helpful? Yes. Uh, thank you so much to Yamil, a huge supporter of the show, and D. Seer. Thanks to John Denson, man. I appreciate it. Chalk O'Block, full of great content and practical tips. Thanks to Chad Ryan from San Diego, baby. That's where we hail from. And thanks to Eric Timmer, my favorite new podcast. Well, Eric... What do you say we just jump into the meat and potatoes? Ian, we didn't have meat and potatoes today. So what I did was I popped it out on Twitter and I said, 15 minutes from now, Ian and I are going to get on the horn. What do you want us to talk about? We got a bunch of interesting tweets that I think are great questions. So let's just do a Q&A with Twitter. You currently are in love with Twitter as well. So people can reach you at anything Ian. Give Ian a little follow ski. He tweets out helpful links. Try to. First thing, Ian, and this is related to the news as well, Alyssa Doucette, congratulations to her. Maybe another applause is in order. We've finally selected out of 50 applications. Alyssa's, she stood head and shoulders above many of the applicants, and I'm so happy to welcome her to our team. We were interviewing a bunch of people, and then I basically got a we have the dream speech from you via email telling me how you were so pumped up about Alyssa. And you've hired tons of people, and so have I, so... Let's talk about how to create a successful job application. If you see a job that you love and you want to nail it, how do you nail it like Alyssa did? What did she do that made you write the I Have a Dream speech? First of all, her application was really good. And then when I got a chance to talk to her, she really uh, sold me on her and on the job. I mean, I got off really excited about about the company and her joining it. So I think she did a lot of things right. The first thing that she did right was uh, she really demonstrated fit and she didn't do it in an over-the-top way. So there's this typical thing like, I know I would be perfect for your company, dude. And you're like, you don't even know what my company does, dude. You know? And you get one of those things and you're like, I've never even talked to you before. How would you know you'd be perfect? 
you know, demonstrating fit is really important. And she took the time to understand what we do. And then she took the time to explain what she does and really showed how she's going to fit. It's such a huge decision when you're going to hire somebody. Like, I'm going to take this big amount of money that I could make myself and I'm going to give it to somebody else. So you know at that moment that the entrepreneur is thinking something big, right? They're pumped up about something. And I feel like when I see the biggest mistakes in applications is that applicants don't tap into that energy enough. I mean, this entrepreneur really wants to go somewhere. And so demonstrating that you're the person that can help to get them there in not an arrogant, ridiculous way. So many people are ridiculously over the top. Like you just said, I mean, you know, we hadn't even talked yet, yet you know you're perfect. It's sort of out of whack. It's not calibrated, you know? It also doesn't treat you like a peer enough. Like, look, I'm looking for somebody to work with. I'm not looking for somebody to bow down at the altar of Ian. To me, I'll just finalize with one huge mistake. The biggest mistake that people make in any job application, whether it be tropical MBA or otherwise, is not taking appropriate interest in both the application and in the job interview in the company, being incurious about the company. I end every interview with, all right, do you have any questions for me? If I am on the other end of that job interview as the applicant, that is my opportunity to pounce like a tiger. I am all over that question. And I'll tell you the question that I will never ask. I will never ask how much I'm going to get paid. I will never ask how much am I going to have to work. I'm never going to ask any logistical question. That is absolutely ridiculous. You have this opportunity to join a company, to build something great, to do something that everyone's excited about. And you're going to ask about what are the nitty gritty details of this? St- it's, it's insane. At that moment, you pounce. You pounce like a cougar, like a tiger. You get in there and you say, all right, well, I read your blog and I've noticed you're doing this. Why are you doing that? Have you ever thought of this kind of stuff? If you can demonstrate that you can have those kinds of conversations, you're in, baby. And that's what Alyssa was doing. It's one of these things about attraction too. So if you get to the end of the interview and the person doesn't have any questions to ask, like I always get really nervous because like, why aren't they interested in what I'm doing? And how valuable are they really going to be if they're not interested if they're only in this to like get a job and for themselves and well that's not the kind of team that I'm building yeah absolutely so question number two that I was super pumped up about Ian if you guys were starting over in 2011 this is from Jeff from solo consulting on Twitter we'll put all the Twitter links of these questions in the show notes at lifestyle business podcast why are there get on the mailing list the mailing list is good we're going to make it good. That's our plan for the next couple of weeks. So definitely jump on it. Plus, we've got some extra goodies for you guys. We might even be giving away the first 50 episodes for free if you sign up for the mailing list. We're working that out. What? Yeah. Did you run this by me? Buddy, I'm telling you, this is a division of responsibilities for a growth company. You can't run everything by the CEO. You got to give me a little bit of working room here. So if you want to figure out how we resolve this drama, <laughs> get on the mailing list. All right, Ian, if you were going to start a business from scratch starting right now, what would you do? How would you get started? Okay. First thing that we both talk about all the time is a vertical marketplace for business buying. It's still like a very a very crappy place online to buy and sell businesses. I think one of the cleaner solutions is Flippa. But if you're looking to buy and sell businesses, it's, it's still a disaster out there. You know, you got to go through brokers, you got to th- go through these sites, you got to sign NDAs and all this stuff. I mean, it's it's, it's a bit of a disaster. It's a chicken egg business, right? Because you have to develop relationships between two parties, both of which, you know, we've been talking about. It's like the middle school dance. The girls and the boys are both on those opposite walls. And they both want to dance together. It's so hard to sell a business. It's so hard to find great businesses that are qualified to, to look at every day and to buy. People like Ian and I, guys with a 
with a couple ducats in the bank, we would love to see qualified businesses to buy on a weekly basis. The problem is, is these kinds of lists are hard to find, especially in vertical specific places. So you've got the girls on the one side, you've got the boys on the other. You're the DJ. you got to play the right song to get everybody together. And I think there's a huge opportunity to do that. For example, I would start a vertical marketplace for passive income membership sites. Why not? I'm going to reach out to anybody who wants to put their passive income membership site on the market and say, I'm developing a list of qualified buyers, a list of qualified things. And I'm, hey, maybe I'll, at the beginning, I'll only send out one email every two weeks. But at least you get started, you qualify everybody, you build up a marketplace, you build up a market, and you get started on that. Some other stuff. Not cat furniture? What do you think, Ian? Cat furniture business still hot? What's going on there? Man, we just inked a deal with PetSmart. Like a boss. The cat furniture business is totally hot. <laughs> Actually, it's growing for us. It's taken a long time. Uh, we've had to be in it for a while, but it's it's definitely growing and it's definitely starting to uh, kind of stick its nose out and be important. So yeah, it's still good for cat furniture. I think it's a little bit flooded. We got into it when it was fairly new and there was a lot less players in there. But in general, import and design is still very important. Creating efficiencies between here and China, I think that's also important. Design and products are always going to be important. Yeah, buddy. I think there's going to be less of them. I think it's getting cheaper and cheaper to execute on that. So absolutely, I would still recommend importing. You know, there's enough barriers to entry. There's enough fear involved with it. There's enough money involved with it that you can still make a lot of money doing it. Yeah, and, and there's so many of these trends and for arbitrage opportunities that you can see out there, like China. Everybody's talking about China. All the all the dudes over here in Bali and in southern China that we talk about in the DC, those guys are positioning themselves, of course, to become importers into the Chinese market, which is going to be the biggest market in the world for things like high quality luxury goods, wine, high end cheeses, high end wines, high end food stuffs, any anything like that. That you know, when you have an explosive middle class, those arbitrage opportunities are always there. You know, if you've got web skills, I might start a fleet of Ning communities with network independent value. An example could be like, you know, Bali. Like, say, couch surfing is something that's very useful to people, but it's not really focused on like expat scene. So why not start a Ning community focused on different expat enclaves or different market segments, like people that love Ferraris or whatever it is. Ning community is a big opportunity. I also love what doing with AdSense flippers are doing. Why not identify a process around a certain kind of niche site and you can just launch those things like, you know, there's a guy on Flippa right now that's doing uh, video blogs. He sells video blogs for 10K a pop and, you know, gets them started, chooses the niche, gets the thing up. And because you've got a process in place, you can build those sites effectively for cheaper than anybody else on the planet. That's what my boys over at AdSenseFlippers.com are doing. So definitely check them out. I'm going to organize a webinar with those guys because I love what they're doing. I love it. I love it. I love it. They're definitely impacting what we're doing. And on top of all that, they're really cool guys. So one th- one final idea we were kind of kicking around, Ian, is personal health diagnostics. Got any ideas on how you could monetize something like that? Yes. This is going to be pretty big, I think. Brendan, I should say, in the DC is talking about how he gets scans every year. Taking care of yourself is super important. I know you and I don't do this as well as we should. Part of the reason we don't do that is because we have to go, we have to rely on somebody else. We have to go to the doctor. We have to know what we're talking about. You know, it's kind of getting to the point where it would be really nice if you could do this stuff yourself. And I think we're starting to have the technology to do that. You can self-diagnose and then you can also self-treat and and self-prevent. So I think that's going to be a huge, huge industry. Yeah, the roadmap for this stuff is so tricky. Like, all right, well, I got a blood test. How much does that cost? What should I be 
checking for? What do the results mean to me? Even simple little roadmaps like, you know, what are the simplest things that I can do to arrange my diet so that I can increase longevity? I think energy and longevity are two huge things on entrepreneurs' radar, and getting that information for yourself is expensive. But Jeff, just to back up more globally on this point of if you were going to start from scratch, I think the biggest thing, and this is sort of related to the next question, is just to do a whole bunch of crap. Do a whole bunch of stuff. Do, 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 do. Launch, launch, launch. Fire, fire, fire. Do as much as you can. That's why I love the AdsenseFlippers.com story. Go there and click on their first income report and see those guys when they made $35 a month and watch how they made $25,000 last month like a friggin' boss. And they did it by just doing a bunch of stuff, you know? If you sit around and wait for the great idea in medical diagnostics, you probably never get started. And that's not how it gets done. So speaking of which, we got another question, Ian. How does one get a business going with limited time and or resources? A lot of people, they don't have any time. They don't have any resources. Mm. What can you do about that? You're probably not going to start a business then because a business takes both time and resources. I don't really like this question to tell you the truth. And here's the reason I don't like it is because it's lazy. Okay. Ouch. Well, sorry. I'm lazy too Ouch. sometimes, but we've already started off with the assumption that Whatever I'm doing is more important than starting this business. And if that's the case, then whatever you're doing must be more important. So why even spend your time trying to start a business? Right? Ouch. That is the tough truth. You know, to be honest, Ian, that's that's a similar emotional response that I had to the question, which is a business philosophically is sort of the organization or the end result of tons and tons of time and resources. So... Yeah, I mean, if you don't have time and or resources, whether that's expertise, whether that's a skill set, whether that's an important relationship, whether that's an ability to work your tail off, then yeah, you're kind of screwed, aren't you? Because that's what a business ends up being is the culmination of all those things. Now, if we're not going to be cheeky and clever and we're going to say, maybe what the person's asking for is what are some super high leverage tasks that you could do if say you only have an hour a day? If you've, you know, you've got, you say you've got other priorities that are more important than this business, but you'd still like to take a shot at it and test it out. You want to experiment. Run an experiment. So that's, let's not be jerks and let's try to provide some value here. So I would say you start with an MVP. That's a minimum viable product. And that product is going to be between $100 and $300. It's maybe going to be a mix of services, maybe online services and consulting, or maybe a little bit of a membership group or whatever it's going to be. Maybe you're white labeling somebody else's product. So as an affiliate, it's between 100 and 300 bucks. And it's a long form sales letter something that you believe in, something that you can support. And every day you get onto that WordPress blog and you work out that sales letter and you make this this product, whatever it is. Let's say it's uh, how to do your taxes better. Say you're good at doing your personal finances. So whatever it's going to be, identify that product, write that sales letter, and then try to drive traffic to it and try to get on the horn. Write a sales letter that's so good that you want a cold call to get people to go read it and that you think you can convert traffic off of that thing. If you can start popping some sales, I think that's that's where I would start, you know? A product that you're not producing the product at the beginning, you're essentially producing the sales and marketing. And the product ends up being something that's simple to fulfill, like whether that's a phone call with you, whether that's an affiliate or white label product. What most people do is they waste their time, you know, for the first few years building out a product. And I don't think that's a great way to start. I think you should figure out how to make sales first. And if you can figure out how to make sales, then you know that you can invest in the product creation process to create more higher value kind of stuff. And just another idea here, this guy just, it seems like he just started blogging about what he wanted to blog about. Now he's got all kinds of followers and I'm sure he could turn this into a product real quick. Mr. Money Mustache. Have you heard of this guy? No. 
Yeah, I just came across him and he's this cool little experiments figuring out how much it costs to drive a car every year, distance commuting, time wasted, yada, yada, yada. But a really, really interesting kind of personal finance site. He claims to have retired in 10 years off an income of about $100,000, $150,000 a year. That's Working baller. a corporate gig. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, he's working an angle too. You know, I love, uh, we were talking the other week to Alyssa at eatyourveggies.com and helping her out with some of the stuff that she's doing. And she, and she, you know, she has the capability to make a full-time living off of that site, which started as a part-time experiment. But what I loved about her site is that she's focusing her content, number one, on solving people's discrete problems. And people have a real pain point as to why they're going to her site. You know, to they've got these long-term chronic diseases and, and they want to solve it with a diet and cheap solution. And she's got answers for them. And she's got the experience to back that up. And the one thing I really like about her is that she is engaged in that community. She's over-delivering. She's there every day interacting with people that could potentially be her market by helping them out in a big way. And eventually that's going to mean money for her. So that's another great way to spend that one hour a day. So let's move on to the final question, the importance of persistence to success. You know, how do you feel about this idea? Because everybody always says, Ian, you know, you persist through the hard times and all this kind of stuff. And I guess I have a couple examples of that, but we never really talked much about persistence. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is a, a cool thing to talk about. So in my mind, there's two different kinds of uh, persistence. There's the foolish kind of persistence, and then there's the bala kind of persistence. <laughs> and of course, we're shooting for the bala kind of persistence. When I was younger, mom would like tell you to push through things that you knew were bullshit. And uh, you were pushing through for like no reason. And when you got to the end, it was bullshit. And you're like, man, that persistence didn't pay off. We all know what kind of persistence that is these days. My problem with this advice, and the reason I've never said, talked about persistence, is because it doesn't make a lot of sense to me because the incentives are so clear if you have an accurate interpretation of what's going on. So I think what we're talking about is how honest with you are about yourself and your position in your marketplace and your ability to provide value and, and what the opportunity is. Like if you've got great information about your market and your customers and it's like, all right, well, if I hire somebody and then like spend the next couple of weeks working this hard, I'm probably going to make five grand. And then you're like, all right, well, that seems good. I'm going to go do that. You don't need to tell me about persistence because I see the benefits because I see that if, if Ian and I can be smart, work smart, work hard, and we can do it every day, we might be rich someday. And if we're rich, and that might be a number for us, then we might be to be able to do this. We might be able to have 100 tropical MBAs. We might be able to have these thousand person conferences that inspire people, whatever. It doesn't, you know, there's so many opportunities that we see on the horizon. Persistence isn't something that we talk about. No, but don't put your head down in persistence working towards something that isn't validated. I think that's a huge mistake. If you don't have the vision for it and everybody around you is telling you you're crazy, I mean, sometimes you are a little crazy. So so ease up on the persistence then. You're soliciting accurate feedback. I love that. You said heads down persistence, right? And to me, it's the opposite. You want head up vision. You know, it's okay. You can be lazy. You can be easily discouraged. But if you've got an accurate vision, maybe you don't need that much persistence. Hire some people who've got it. So <laughs> that's why I don't talk too much about persistence. Let's get moving on to the quick tip, tricks, and or funny joke section. So you are recommending download the IS. 05. A lot of people, especially here in Asia, avoid that stuff because those downloads take friggin' forever. You're telling me I should do it. Why? 
Yeah, it's pretty cool. There's a couple features that I like. Uh, first of all, there's the downward swipe from the top of the screen. Get my uh, stocks here, which I don't participate in, but that's great for me to uh, take a look at and waste some time. So I get the stocks there, I got the weather, and then I got a snapshot of my mail. But more importantly to me is this little thing that comes preloaded now, and it's called a reminder. So a reminder is basically like a little calendar, so you can schedule an appointments and whatnot in there. And also, you can sync them with locations. So if I have your address in my phone, I can say, remember to pick up the iPad from Dan. And so when I get to your house, boom, that alert comes up. And this is really helpful for me because I can set alerts that say, you know, pick up this at the office, do this, do that. And it just works a lot better than the calendar. Probably the biggest thing for me in this new iOS is the syncing to the cloud. So all your music, all your photos sync either to the cloud or to your computer via wireless now. So oh, super baller. I'm so jealous. Yeah, I think wow, it's really uh, cool. Wait till you get to Asia here in two weeks, buddy. Forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a couple game changers on that iOS software. You've got an iPhone Pro HDR app. I'm going to keep saying it. If you haven't gone and spent the two bucks to get Pro HDR, it will change your life. Absolutely. You will walk away from your experiences with more beautiful memories. They're fantastic. And Ian and I use Skype a lot. A lot of, the, a lot of our business has been pacing while on the phone. Uh, on that iPhone using the Skype application, doing international calls and stuff like that. And hey, speaking of stuff we're investing in, Ian, I'm excited to get new Kindles because we both broke our Kindles and also to have a corporate Audible account. You know, audible.com is, is expensive. It's a place where you can go and get download audiobooks onto your devices. And, you know, reading books is just so important to getting ahead. Izzy Hyman said on the, the last episode that he was on Foolish Adventure, he said, you know, you're going to be the sum total of, of the books that you read 10 years from now and the people that you've spent your time with. And, you know, spending time with is about the Tropical MBA. It's about spending time with you, Ian. And then it's about educating yourself and, and giving yourself that great information so you can have that vision we were talking about. So we're going to both get back on the Kindle bandwagon. We're both going to get Audible accounts and continue to educate ourselves. So if you guys got suggestions for audiobooks, do bring them our way. Well, it's been an awesome episode, Ian, and I'm going to top this thing with a cherry. I've got a joke for you. You ready for this? How does a German ghost say yes? Does it get something like, uh, booyah? <laughs> See you next Thursday, Ian. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything.